else. Let's go into our next guest because he has a really good experience on social media. And so let's go ahead and bring in Miles Varghese. He is the co-founder and CEO of Cargo Logic. Welcome in, Miles. Hey, thanks for having me, Blythe. Long time. Uh, really right. appreciate it. Been following you for a minute now, and, and excited to be on. Thanks for thanks for having me and, and having us. Likewise, very much uh, enjoying watching your your rise to success. But for those who don't know about your career and your your background, how did you get into the world of logistics? So I got into logistics um, just by kind of happenstance. Um, I, I feel like logistics kind of called to me. Um, I started off uh, in the tech uh, community here in Miami around 2014. There wasn't much happening uh, back then. Um, but kind of bounced around between a couple of different, um, you know, tech companies and eventually got into a, a company called Octopi, um, which is a company that we bootstrapped, ended up bootstrapping here in Miami. And one of the investors in the first startup I was a part of, a company called Live Ninja, referred me uh, over to, to my co-founders at that venture where I spent um, the next two, little over two years. Uh, and we ended up getting acquired. Um, but that first port terminal uh, startup, uh, Octopi was focused on port terminal operating systems. Uh, so we just kind of got immediately exposed to large terminal operators, shipping lines, um, the, the the technology scene, you know, around it, of course. Uh, and, and it was also good timing in the sense that um, a lot of the incubators and accelerators, I would say, globally uh, were coming up into the space. And I would still say it's it's early days, you know. So so just kind of a little little bit of luck, um, you know, by design, uh, just got 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 into this scene and found out that 90 percent of everything comes through a container. Uh, and then got hooked, and and uh, that that Octopi journey was a good one through acquisition, and now I'm here uh, on this next venture in the co-founding role uh, at Cargo Logic. And, and now you mentioned that you're based in Miami, which for for folks who don't know, I mean, obviously over the last year there's sort of been an an, an explosion in talent that has come from across the globe, really. Uh, Primarily, I would say across the U.S. and now moving over to Miami. What is that? Ex- what has that experience been like to watch the shift? I guess from from a national perspective of of how people have been flocking to Miami from other states in order to to really take advantage of the tech scene that is is going crazy down there. It's almost surreal uh, because you know if you're in the tech scene, you always kind of look at Silicon Valley um, and and some of these top tier tech hubs as what you want to be, what you want your community to be. You know, these people have access to investors, VCs, angels, you know, you just assume things, you know, come easier for them. Uh, and being in Miami before like this wave happened, the mentality of the great startups here in Miami, I feel like the momentum has been building over time. was just a hustle and, and to work really hard. And it just means that you have to compete with um, folks that may have easier access to prospects or, or to funding. Um, so to kind of see it shift and change to something that's probably more um, Equal, equilibrial to like, you know, equal to, uh, to, to Silicon Valley has been really cool. So you're starting to get invited through Twitter. You know, folks are, are just tagging you when VCs are coming down. Uh, there's a legitimate interest, uh, both at the angel and the VC level, especially into this space, you know, so that's been, uh, really cool to kind of see. But overall, uh, Miami's quickly morphing, you know, thanks to Mayor Suarez. Uh, and now, you know, there's an entire like formal venture Miami team. So basically a portion of the government devoted towards, the act of attracting uh, these tech companies and facilitating innovation, uh, thanks to the new mayor, uh, has really driven uh, a massive uh, influx, as you mentioned, and and it's definitely uh, leveling up um, our, our tech um, our tech skills. Right, it's definitely leveling up the, the quality of caliber and the people that we have in here, but also bringing in more more liquidity, more capital, more private funds, more VCs, more partners, more corporate partners as well, uh, and even enterprise customers, especially with Miami being the the hub of uh, logistics for LATAM, 
um, that that's all kind of evolved and come on pretty quickly. So it's been a really fun experience uh, and cool to see things getting a little bit easier. Of course, you know, a little more commoditized, a little more challenging, um, but um, definitely um, the uh, it's becoming easier, I would say, to launch a venture here to raise capital and, and to find talent. Yeah, the mayor has been all over Twitter, which has been fascinating to watch because he's really the, I, I would say, the most famous mayor on on Twitter. So that's been great. He's like a one-man recruiting machine. Has that talent that has been coming to the city, has that spilled over into logistics at all? Or are, are you seeing any kind of correlations um, between the tech and, and logistics side of things? Uh, definitely. I mean, uh, Pay Cargo is the most recent um, massive um, sort of liquidity uh, and investment event that, that happened where they just cut a deal with Fiata. Um, they raised a couple hundred million. Um, Chipmunk uh, is down here. Um, there's a lot of great warehousing space and things like that. Um, so I would definitely say that the logistics scene is absolutely um, seeing uh, a positive shift. And, and, and even beyond that, um, you know, being a member of the economic development arm, uh, and sitting on the trade and logistics committee at the Beacon Council, which is Miami Dade's, you know, EDO, um, it's been cool to see um, because there is a talent like development pipeline, you know, so there are, are folks, you know, that have been before this technology rush devoted to structurally um, building a, a tech, a tech, and not only a tech, but even a, just a, a pure talent pipeline, you know, into warehousing, you know, into trucking, uh, and so that's been kind of coming along, and I think that now with this this larger influx, and, and of course, you know. Cool tech startups, you know, um, be showing up for logistics. It's definitely um, having an impact. We're starting to see more folks kind of get into logistics. But that's not to say that, you know, Miami is immune to the current challenges that we see in the supply chain. It's very hard um, to retain people right now. It's very hard still to find new labor, as I think it is for everywhere. Uh, you probably know better than me, but um, it seems to be a, an ongoing challenge, you know. But there has always been a devoted group of folks, you know, baked into the government into the local community, the, the private community, the public sector uh, to drive um, more, more internships to drive, you know, and we're taking one right now through Miami-Dade uh, County Public Schools, um, but there's a, a structural drive, you know, to even get startups in like ourselves uh, involved at an early stage. So, so definitely seeing uh, a, a good, nice, you know, I would say the start of, of a strong shift into to logistics um, at scale. Well, speaking of that, that shift of, of people that are coming to the city of Miami, they, you know, a lot of people came earlier in the year when temperatures are nice, the humidity isn't as bad. How are those folks de dealing with uh, July in, in Florida with the heat, humidity? We just had the first hurricane go to the state. Uh, is everybody uh, flocking back to their, their home state or are they staying put? Yeah, so, uh, so, so. You know, just like probably up there and, you know, in, in, uh, in northern Florida, same thing, you know, here, um, you know, it's, it's, it's definitely getting hot. It's definitely getting humid. The mosquitoes are coming out, but I've been pleasantly surprised talking to some of this new wave of talent, uh, that have, have come into the scene from all over, from San Francisco, Austin, uh, New York. Uh, and they seem surprisingly unfazed. Um, but one of my uh, new buddies from San Francisco who moved into town said, that's what, you know, low tax rate and, and great cafecito, you know, great Cuban coffee uh, will do. Um, so it seems like it's not having a massive impact, surprisingly. Of course, you know, some people are, are, are going back to New York, but um, it does seem like there's an intention to come back or to split time. And I've even heard of some pretty influential uh, folks uh, up uh, in, in Freight Alley, um, you know, kind of coming down and spending, you know, at least six months of the year here in Miami. And you're starting to see that uh, and, and, and bumping into uh, supply chain players almost organically now. Um, but um, but definitely, uh, they seem to be staying strong, at least for now. And I think uh, with the storms and the hurricanes and all the rain, it's been maybe a little bit cooler. So, so maybe it hasn't been the, the, 
the ultimate representation of of a Miami summer or you know South Florida, you know Florida summer. Um, but but seems like they're not running away as fast as we thought they would. Just wait until August. <laughs> That'll be the yeah, true right. Test we'll see. For, we'll see. <laughs> That'll be the true test. Uh, just you know, I guess keep in mind with the hurricanes to uh, throw a party for anything that's a category two or under. That's what a true Floridian would do. And always keep bug spray on you. Those are my two tips. <laughs> now I, yeah, and, I and you mentioned. And only oh, grab ahead. water, you know, like the night before, you know, and, and get gas, like maybe the, the day it's coming. That's usually how we roll. <laughs> yeah, because in anything else, it's like, all right, well, you're, you're going to have to actually evacuate if it's a Category 3 or even higher uh, for most places. And so then you'll just take care of your supplies when you're on the road. So it's, exactly. there's, there you your, there's, your, there's your hurricane handy book from, from Miles and Blythe. Now, I, you mentioned a lot of, uh, you know, VC funding and, and from that aspect uh, of the side of the coin. And I'll, I'm someone who's very naive to how VC funding, angel investing all works. Can you break down how the idea for CargoLogic came about and where VC fits into all of this? Absolutely. Um, so with regard to venture capitalists and, and angels, right, the idea at a high level is that these players that have a ton of capital, preferably expertise, you usually want someone who's been in the industry, who's operating a business, who's got some technical chops or or some connections, you usually want to find someone, especially in our space, in our niche, where everything's so focused on relationships. So you dem- you normally want to find uh, these players that are looking to make um, these types of bets um, and um, to put them into companies, right? And 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 now we're starting to see, you know, like more money flowing uh, and skewing even towards the earlier stage seed companies. So I would say now, especially for freight forwarding and, and shipping, is a fantastic time, uh, you know, to kind of be. Um, you know, in, in this space, uh, and and the reason why I would say um, that the um, that this play is kind of happening now is that because you know the acceleration of e-commerce, um, you know, COVID, right? The silver lining, uh, everyone's buying things from home, and the supply chain, of course, is in flux. Uh, and 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 as a result, um, you know, these VCs and angels are looking for okay, you know, I've invested in some e-commerce startups. You know, what's the next thing, you know, tied to e-commerce, right? What's the derivative of of, of e-commerce? Um, and uh, that is supply chain, right? And, and freight forwarding uh, brokerage. And so you're starting to see a lot more attention being paid into the space. Uh, and, and as for uh, you know, Cargo Logic, uh, the venture itself was was founded, um, you know, in 2019. I joined my co-founder um, when they just had mockups, you know. So so um, I'll give myself give myself some credit for that. But I joined the team a couple months after they started um, building the application uh, in, in the summer of 2019. Uh, and Luis Trujillo Jr., who's my co-founder in the venture, he belongs to a shipping family. So there's, um, you know, his father is really active investor, uh, Luis uh, Fernando uh, Trujillo Sr. Uh, and he's also one of the biggest investors in our company, along with Rocker Labs, which is you know, the office that I'm in, uh, this co-working uh, digital venture company um, based in Miami. So Luis, my co-founder, saw an opportunity being, you know, digital native, you know, just operating on, you know, and seeing how Amazon works. Um, you know, just seeing that, hey, there's probably a better way where we can facilitate you know, how freight forwarders, especially the smaller ones, which his family owns one of those companies in, in Guayaquil, uh, in Ecuador, um, can do business with their customers, right? So there's just a better way to just kind of digitize uh, basic operations. And, and that's kind of, um, you know, how, how we got started. And, and uh, it started with a seed investment um, from Luis's uh, family, you know, uh, so his particularly his, his shipping holding company, a company called Grupo Holco and Rocker Labs here in Miami. Uh, and then some more angels got involved, you know, including, you know, our, our own employees, too, which is really cool. Uh, and and since then, right, the idea is, you know, raise capital, build, listen to the market more than anything. Uh, and then you want to take that capital uh, that, that people are taking to gamble on you. Uh, and then you want to just show proof, right? Just say, hey, like, this is what I told you I was going to do. 
I've acquired X number of customers. I've generated this MRR. And even if you know you don't have a massive amount of revenue now these days, venture capitalists and, and, and the right angels, if you're able to find them, of course, you'll pitch you know, over a hundred times, but if you find the right people that, 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 that understand your business and your model, um, a lot of them will take that early bet on you and, and help you grow and scale through their relationships. I love that. It's definitely, it's more of a investing in the idea of, of the product initially, and then you got to start showing your proof and you, you do that by listening to your customers, which is key. I love that aspect. Now, switching gears to the customer side of things, you spoke about the importance of independent freight forwarders, brokers, and other LSPs in the industry. What signifies an indie player and what keeps them up at night that your that cargo logic is hoping to solve? Great question, right? So so for the, the indie players that we refer to, so for us, uh, we're a freight collaboration and communication platform. And, and you know, like we're talking about here, we're aimed at these small to medium independent freight forwarders and brokers. And generally, these are, you know, to, to, to kind of classify them, these are folks that have probably been in business for 10 or 15 years. Uh, it could also be like a newer company uh, that's just starting up and they don't need uh, a massive cargo operating system or anything expensive really to run their operations. Um, but at the end of the day, um, when you're a smaller player, you're usually not having the budget, right? You don't have the same tech budget, the innovation teams that DHL, FedEx, Kuhn and Nagel have. You can't probably not, you're, you're probably not going to be able to compete with Flexboard and, and, you know, build, um, you know, uh, freight marketplaces, right? And, and even if you use those systems as a smaller player, sometimes, um, you know, there's a trade-off that happens between revenue that you generate and also your long-term differentiation. Uh, and then the last piece I would say that, that these, um, these smaller logistic service providers have to deal with is they also are worried about the liners that they've historically been in business with, right. For the last, you know, 10, 15, you know, 50 years, um, building their own systems, right. So now, um, CMA CGM, right. Has their own direct booking systems, uh, Maersk spot, Maersk twill, right. All these platforms exist now where you can directly go and book cargo, uh, and so these independent freight forwarders that have been around for a long time are seeing, you know, these former partners, new tech entrants, um, you know, and, and they don't have the budget to build software and to build technology. And so what they're seeing is really, really tough margins, right? And I think everyone in our space uh, is familiar with that. Uh, as low as, you know, $50 a box, you know, we've talked to independent players that actually have no idea um, that they're, if they're profitable or not, you know, so our goal really is to kind of help them uh, with that and to get a better idea of, you know, which accounts they should pay attention to, which ones they don't, uh, and then kind of simplifying their day. So for us, uh, we're trying to help these smaller players and especially these commercial teams, you know, instead of balancing out 10, 12 customers in their head, pen, paper, Excel, maybe an old TMS and, and a couple other systems that aren't integrated to give them a more proper customer facing solution that they can extend to their customers. And it's almost like a, an Amazon um, logistics timeline meets a DHL tracking number, I would say is like our first step in. Uh, for like the commercial, um, for the commercial teams, and and that's where we get started, and and from there, um, we just kind of build this system that creates alerts between both parties. You know, it lets them know and spin up their own logistics timelines, post updates to them. Their customers can see them. You know, hit refresh, so they're no longer texting, "Hey, where's my cargo?" Uh, you know, four or five times a day, or you know, has that form been cleared? Uh, and that's you know the type of things that that are keeping up um, these independent players. Uh, at night, uh, it's really basic uh, operations, and and um, you know they're really you know for such a massive market, there hasn't been a significant amount of tools, especially in the small to medium sector, um, that are uh, that are fitting the bill. And I think with the advancements of web-based technology and and um, you know the precedent that's been set by like companies like Slack, HubSpot, Box, you know where you can kind of come in like, hey, try us out for free. I think that's been been changing the game a bit. But but those are usually the bigger things. Um, that's been been keeping up um, our target market and, and these independent freight forwarders 
uh, and brokers around the world. Now, you, you mentioned with a lot of them that they've been in business for 10 or 15 years uh, and technology is increasingly becoming a must, not a, a want. And so for these companies that are trying to, to tread water and then also invest in these newer technologies, how are you sort of easing that, that tech phobia uh, burden for them? Great question. For, for us, right, and, and speaking from like a technical perspective, we know that our, you know, the, the, the technical term is called time to value. So what is like the one thing that someone does when they interact with your software? And what's like the easiest thing that you can like convince them to take a step into your software and to sign up and to try it out? Um, you know, that's the hardest part, right? Because I think this industry is really premised upon relationships. Um, you know, folks are afraid of technology, um, you know, and, and not because they're scared of it, but, but usually they have that, they ain't broke, don't fix it. A tech mentality, I think that is is, is rapidly uh, shifting. Um, but for us, knowing that when you start tracking your cargo, that's when the magic starts happening. Um, so for us, like once you start putting in, you know, a master bill of lading into the system, once you get to like four or five in there and you start seeing these beautiful logistics timelines populating that you can copy and paste like a DHL tracking number or Amazon timeline, uh, and you start sending them to your customers, you know, that's when things start getting a little more interesting. And then they start seeing that, okay, not only do I get the self-populating logistics timeline, but I also have my documents that are stored here. So I'm not searching for my Google Drive, your Dropbox, um, you know, for, for, for key, you know, customs clearance forms, you know, documents, um, you know, proofs of insurance, you know, purchase orders, invoices, you know, all sorts of things like that. You know, all those things are usually fractured on both sides. You're sending 30 to 50 emails, you know, per container. Um, so what, um, for, for us, the key is really to just get that first step in. Um, so before we like, you know, hammer you and throw it, Hey, you know, you also have quoting booking support. You also have communication, you know, in here where we can replace WhatsApp and, and WeChat. And, you know, before all of that, the, the hardest thing is just to get your foot in the door. And for us, mm. um, the way that we've been able to do that was, you know, saying, Hey, you know, your first 10 master bills of lading and cargo logic are, are completely free. There's no charge. There's no time box for it. So you literally can go in. Anyone can go in, you know, no credit card two screens, sign up for the system, and then get their feet wet. See that logistics timeline, send it to the customer. And when that customer comes back, say, hey, this is really cool. I never saw that, that you could do this before. It'll slowly become you know, a standard uh, procedure. And then the idea is that that customer will join you. So just like Slack or Microsoft Teams, you know, when that customer is ready, they're not being forced to. But if that customer wants to join you on the platform, because again, we're not trying to force anyone to, to create another login or password they're going to forget anyways. The idea is we can softly pull them into the platform. And this is kind of like the modern way to kind of do it these days. Product-led growth, um, you know, is, is sort of the technical term for that as well. But building out a system um, that's open enough to pull people in, that's easy to use, um, and, and that they're going to be willing to give their time to it and also share it with their customers. And once that customer joins them, that's when the application becomes much more stickier. Uh, and then we start seeing success with our customers. But But that's kind of been our our, uh, our strategy and, and probably the, the number one thing. It's really about, you know, can you convince someone in this industry who's very wary and looking over their shoulder often a lot, um, you know, very commoditized space, you know, can you convince them enough uh, to give you a shot and to get that first step in the door? Because once you can do that, you can kind of prove to them that you can do everything else for them and, and improve their experience. I love that. Don't overwhelm them. Show them the value first on a, on a complimentary basis and then start letting, adding in those extra things. Because I feel like it, it, with tech, it's so easy to become overwhelmed. But if you can save somebody some time, then uh, they're, they're more than likely to invest that extra time into learning more about your platform. So I, I love that approach. Now, switching gears a little bit, 
speaking of, of social media, as we talked about earlier in the show, you are very active on Twitter. You write a great newsletter up on LinkedIn. But I wanted to go ahead and bring up one of your tweets because this was kind of news to me. And the tweet asked, anyone in supply oh, chain no. or Miami <laughs> tech network play CODM, which is an acronym for Call of Duty on mobile? You said you need a battle partner going into the third week of this global championship. Is this some kind of a, like a secret logistics gaming network that you're part of? I think it might be. Uh, we got, uh, well, I, I wasn't able to secure, sadly, I wasn't able to secure any tech CEOs who were focused on logistics. So that'll be the next play. So, you know, if any of your viewers are out there, I'm down to play, um, you know, with them. But, but, uh, my wife's not super happy about it, of course. Um, nor is my dog, I don't think. But, um, Got, got pretty competitive, I guess, with it. Uh, and it's just like, the game you play on the phone. It's been a good, you know, uh, source of like just stress relief, you know, after a hard call or, you know, a long day of, of, of Zoom calls, right? Or, or podcasting, you just want to kind of disconnect a bit. Uh, it's been good, you know, so I am recruiting uh, logistics professionals <laughs> and players that I can probably, you know, play with. Uh, but there, there is like a global, you know, championship running and, and they force you, which has also been cool, right? Because it's also kind of very relationship based. It forces you to kind of like step out of your comfort zone. So saying that, yeah, yeah, you've been playing with these people. But you actually now have to go like find people and then connect with them, build a relationship, add them to your team, and then compete to continue like competing with this global challenge thing. Um, they call it it's, right. it's just all a, a form of networking. That's all you can just bill it as that relationship. All right, fi- yeah. <laughs> right, relationship building and networking. You know. All right, final question for you: uh, What's next for Cargo Logic, and where can people follow more of your work? Thank you, Blythe. Um, so next up for Cargo Logic, we're just going to keep our heads down and to continue executing. We're fortunate enough to have, you know, over 200 customers uh, on the platform, and what's really cool across 150 countries. And and I think that's pretty significant too, because that means that we're building a globally configurable system. And we spent a lot of last year just just talking to the customer. We've had hundreds of conversations, and now going forward, it's just a matter of continuing to listen, getting folks, you know, willing to take us uh, take a look at our system, giving us a shot, and then maybe having a 20, 30 minute call with them. Uh, but eventually we're moving into, you know, the, the sort of uh, model that you see at HubSpot, right, or, or, or Slack or, or or any of these freemium sort of solutions where basically, you know, give us a shot, try it out. If you like it, keep using it, invite your friends. And that's what uh, we're going to continue focusing on, activation, engagement, and then also improving the shipper experience, right, because it's a two-side-facing application uh, for the second half of, of this year and then into next year. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. I love what you said about getting closer to the customer because whoever gets closest to the customer wins. So thank you so much for your time, Miles. And we'll be sure to link to all of Cargo Logic's projects and social media platforms in the show notes. So thank you again, Miles. Thanks, Blake. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Digital Dispatch Podcast. As always, you can find each show I publish along with more insight over on my website, digitaldispatch.io. If you like this podcast, then I think you'll love another show that I host, Cyberly, which covers the attention economy, B2B marketing, tech, and how it all ties into the world of logistics. That show airs every Thursday from 2 to 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, live on FreightWaves TV. There are also some links to my social media accounts along with my products and services that might be of interest to you. You can find them in the show notes or again over on my website at digitaldispatch.io. If you found this episode interesting and or entertaining, be sure to share it with a friend. 
Word of mouth is the best kind of marketing. And since podcast discoverability has and remains an issue in this medium, I trust and rely on folks like yourself that will share it with those who would also find it useful. Until next time, my name is Blythe Bremleve and I will see you real soon.